0: Welcome. You're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon, Pastor Jason. Good to see you. Good to see you, Pastor Tyler. Nice to be back in the studio here at Smart Marketing, recording our rest of the sermon podcast.
1: We were out last week. Why were we out? The snowpocalypse.
0: Was there a name for that winter storm?
1: I saw a bunch of stuff going around, just snowpocalypse, but only because it was in parts of the country that never get it. Right. So, honestly, it was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah. It was. I mean, the wrecks, it was a big deal. Yeah. Let me say this. It was a big deal. <laughs> it still is a big deal. we got a lot of county roads and yeah, all that man. stuff washing out. And. But I think the people in Wisconsin... <laughs> <laughs> I think the people in Green Bay yeah, yeah. were like—
0: We got some family in northern Colorado,
1: and they are like, you guys are wusses. Yeah. I, <laughs> we were I like, just, you think, don't yeah.
0: understand. We're not prepared for this no. because we
1: never have to be. Texas is its own nation, <laughs> first and foremost. And they're,
0: and they're all under pretty much the same power grid, which I didn't realize yes. uh, until all of that. My
1: son follows a bunch of um, rodeoers. Okay. Yeah. Just going there. All right. And a lot of those guys live in Texas and live on ranches. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, it was a super big deal for their cattle. Yeah. For the feed. Yeah. Getting to their cattle. Um. And apparently, that weather. I'm just going so Farmer Joe right now. <laughs> apparently, the the suddenness of weather like that makes cows calve early, and so wow. if they're pregnant, they'll stress and they'll give birth way too early. So a bunch of these rodeoers and stuff that we were watching on their YouTube channels had these baby calves like in their trucks (laughs) with the heat on and stuff like that. So yeah, just a little fun information for you. Can we
0: talk for just a short moment on how you like love books
1: and reading? Mm -hmm. You're an intellectual person. Yeah, well. And your son loves rodeos. My son is into collecting coins (laughs) and bucking bulls right now. And I think it's great. Oh, that's so awesome. I love it. That's so great. Yeah. If there is anything that's American, (laughs) it's your son. Well, actually, well, (laughs) well, technically, the majority of rodeoers are actually from Brazil. Wow. The top ranked rodeoers out of the top 10, I would say six or seven are from Brazil and South America right now. But. Man, if there's anything that's full blown American, it's strapping up on a bull and riding it. So I'm all about it. It's, it's cool, trying man. your it's trying your hardest not to get gored by a wild animal. I had animal. to borrow a pair of boots. <laughs> Does that reveal who I am? So you have, anyway. You, you
0: have boots and shoes though. Anyway, I'm surprised that you yeah. don't have a good pair of cowboy boots. I didn't have a pair of square toes. I had <laughs> to borrow those. So well. Well, we've been praying for all who've been affected uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, by the winter weather, and for Jason's feet uh, yeah. and and the lack of square-toed boots. Um, so we missed our uh, our podcast rest of the sermon for last week from um, which is probably one of the most significant oh. uh, texts that we will go through. It's all significant, but in terms of the the majesty and the supremacy of Jesus yeah. in Colossians chapter one, it's the one, reason
1: why. I, I really wanted to preach through Colossians yeah. verses 15 through yeah. through 19 right there. Well, we so.
0: want we wanted to give... Uh, we didn't want to come in here and just blow by um, last week, and we wanted to address last week to some degree in the form of a question. We had somebody yes. write in a question. Which um, was a
1: phenomenal yeah, question. Yeah,
0: we uh, uh, if you want to send in a question, you can do that at info at westsidepb.org, and we will address it like we are about to right now. Yep. So here is the question that we got in response to the passage from Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 last week, and it was, what were the verses again? It is 9 through 15? No, No, 15 through 20. Yep. 15 through 20. 15 through 20, here's the question. Good morning. I have a question from today's sermon. I hope this makes sense. I've always struggled to understand the relationship of the Trinity, but have come to understand it as God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit having different roles. I guess I've always thought of it as God as Creator, Jesus as Savior, and the Holy Spirit as encourager. Since attending this church, I feel I am gaining a much better picture of who Jesus is, and God, and His character as revealed through Jesus. I have found myself asking the question, though, are the roles of God and Jesus interchangeable? After reading through Colossians in my own study and today's sermon, it also identifies Jesus as Creator. Are there distinct roles for God and Jesus, Or is that even the right question to be asking? Thank you, Miranda. Miranda, thank you so much for your question. Man, such a great question. That is the right question to be asking. It's a wonderful question. Jason, let's address this. Let's talk about this, the supremacy of Jesus.
1: Yeah, first of all, um, to Miranda, you are a critical thinker, which is massively important. So you are listening to the sermon with Bible knowledge already in your mind. And when we got to the part in Colossians 1 where it says all things were created in him, through him, by him, and for him, yeah, because you had biblical knowledge, you went, wait a second, I thought God the Father was kind of the creator through the Psalms, you know, yeah. you know, we see this, so... Um, I just want to encourage her in that train of thought yeah. that that is good and right to be thinking that way. Yeah, and this is how we should be reading our Bibles, too. Yes. Even if we
0: don't have all of that all of that knowledge um, like Miranda has already stored up, we should be asking these questions yes. and going to reputable sources, talk to your pastor, talk about it with your community groups, and there are plenty
1: of resources out there, but this is how we should be reading our Bibles, critically thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. The, um, the second <clears throat> thing is, um, I've always struggled to understand the relationship of the Trinity. She says, to which I would say, join the club. <laughs> Me too. There's t-shirts. Join the club. Um, but this is the great mystery of the Christian faith. Yeah. But then she goes on to say, um, I'm sorry, I'm a very logical person. I'm yeah. like breaking the you know Walk the question down. But she says, I've come to understand it as God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. God meaning the Father. Um, have different roles. I guess I've always thought of it as God, Father as Creator, Jesus as Savior, and the Holy Spirit as Encourager. I would say um, you are on the right track when it comes to thinking that way, okay? So there's a number of things I'm going to have to do. The first thing is this, we're going to learn some big words like mayonnaise and carburetor, okay? (laughs) Um, The two words are um, the economy of the Trinity and then the ontological Trinity, okay? So the economy, I don't mean like when we think of American West economy. The economy would have meant, um, in the Greek, like a household of roles. Yeah. Okay, so yes, there are distinct roles. That's called the economy of the Trinity. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. The Son is not the Spirit, and we see this in the classic picture that we have of the early church, of the triangle for the Trinity. The second thing is this, ontological... um, focuses on who God is. Okay, so the economy of the Trinity focus on what God does as F- Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ontological focuses on who God is. But before I answer that, I want to do two things. First, I want to read um, John chapter 1, verses yeah. 1 through 3. Yes. It says, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God." All things were created through Him. All things were created through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Beautiful verses. Obviously, John, going back to Genesis 1, darkness in the beginning, but then John uh, changes the game. In verse 14, he says, "...and the Word became flesh." And dwelt among us. And we have seen the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is talking about Jesus. Yeah, yeah man. So here we have, and in Colossians, um, Jesus is creating, right? But in Acts 17 um, 24, Paul says, the God who made the world and everything in it. Yeah. So is it the Father or is it the Son? To which I would say, yes. And um, the good thing about loving church history and being attached to it is we don't have to scramble for answers. Yeah. Um, so at, at Westside, we, we really love pursuing these things. And so we just look back upon church history and go, well, what did the church fathers say about this? And we have the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. Okay, so um, this is only a 100-plus years Um, after the apostles' teaching, which is massively credible, okay? And they got together because there were false teachings in regards to the Trinity. Um, There was modalism, which says that there is only one God, but He manifests Himself as Father, Son, or Spirit, to which they were going, well, in the Scriptures, there is not manifestations, there is persons. Yeah. There is equal substance. It's not water, ice, and vapor. Yes, it yeah. is one plus one plus one equals one, yeah. okay? And they formulated what is known as the Nicene Creed, okay? And so um, I'm going to read it and then pick up on some things, but this is beautiful, the Nicene Creed, to clarify um, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It says, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of the same essence as the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, he became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets, We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life and to the world to come. Amen. Amen and amen. Thunder. But if you pick up on that, it says, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Yeah. And then it says, and in one Lord, the only Son begotten, not made the same essence as the Father, through him all things were made. Yeah. So, the answer is yes. yeah. and we and we see that that Jesus is the agent of creation. But I think a sentence might be helpful that to think about the economy um, of of the role. So to answer Miranda's question is yes, there are distinct roles in the Trinity. but, we can never think of them as being separate from the other members as well. Yeah, That's the ontological aspect of it.
0: That's the mystery. They're not isolated from It's the mystery one of, of it. it. Yeah,
1: And so to think about salvation, the Father planned it, the Son paid for it, and the Holy Spirit applies it. Yeah. Okay? Um, I would say it's the same way when it comes to creation, because we see um, the Spirit hovering over the waters... We see someone speaking, but the word is there, and, and, and this great mystery. And so one theologian puts it this way to succinctly answer the question. While the members of the Trinity are co-equal and co-eternal, they do have different roles or functions within the Godhead. This is known as the economic Trinity. Each performs their role with full cooperation of the other members. They have been those, there have been those who've argued that each member of the Trinity is free to perform, any role within the Godhead. Yet it seems more in keeping with the Scriptures that they have been eternally ordered as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So yes, Miranda, there are distinct roles um, in the Trinity. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and so on. But they are never separate in their roles. And so we see like salvation... We see in creation that they are working together, that the Father is known as the Creator, but Jesus is also known as the active agent yeah. of creation. This is a profound mystery, but we hold to three and one. And so I hope that is, is helpful yeah. to answer the question, and um, I would point um, her towards uh, the Nicene Creed yep. uh, to sort of study um, in regards to that. And then a great resource by J.I. <laughs> Packer, um, who's a great theologian, we give this to our community group leaders, is known as Concise Theology. Yeah. It's a guide to the historic Christian beliefs, and um, it's got Incarnation Trinity, and it's no more than a page or a page and a half. Really accessible yeah. um, when it comes to that. So that's another resource as well. Wonderful. Well, yeah.
0: Miranda, wonderful question. Absolutely. Great, great question. Questions we should all be asking. Thank you for sending that in. If you are listening to this and you're like, I want to ask a question and get yes. some answers, I have some questions and visit some difficult things in the scriptures or heard something in the sermon that didn't make sense to me or how should I apply it, you can send those questions to info at westsidepb.org, and we will address them here as we just have with Miranda's question. So thanks again, Miranda, we appreciate it. Let's dive into this week. This week we were in week six of our journey through the book of Colossians, wow. which is insane. Yeah. We've been doing this for six weeks. And our text was chapter one, verse twenty-four. <laughs> six <laughs> weeks. No, chapter one. We finished chapter one yeah, this we, week. We did, we uh, and, did. And we and we tiptoed into chapter two. Well, uh, chapter one, verse twenty-four through chapter two, verse five. And you used an illustration at the opening of your sermon um from this TV show from the nineties, Breaking the Magician's Code. Yeah, man. And when I, when you, you showed me this picture and you were like, do you remember this? And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. I have not seen, I've not thought of that. Absolutely. In forever. Used to watch that dude on a tube mounted TV on the corner of my room when I was in junior high. And uh, And the same
1: guy that narrated that show narrated the Guinness book of world records. There you go. So that's kind of our, you know, childhood growing up there. Well,
0: it's uh, something we have in common. I think we've talked about in the past is we both have a history of a love for magic. Um, Maybe, I don't know, maybe like to impress people or fool people. Maybe. I did it kind of for self-entertainment, yeah. I think. you know. <laughs> I, I did so, it to yeah. impress people. Nice. Just totally honest. What's the coolest trick you've ever done?
1: Um, I learned a pretty cool trick um, that involved. So I I learned, my dad was a preacher, and after church, these people would take us out to lunch, and I would be at a lunch table for like three hours. So I learned all of these tricks with salt shakers and sort of, this, that, and the other. But I got really good at this trick of being able to push a salt shaker through the table. Yeah. And um, I felt like that was a good one. I learned to float on the tippy toes type yeah. of a thing. So, yeah, you know, just That's a little cool. bit of that. That's how rad. about you? Uh,
0: it was card tricks for me. Nice. Uh, Slide-of-hand stuff was a was a fun thing. Yeah. I remember doing this card trick. I don't even know how it works. It's something mathematical that I don't understand. So at the end of every every time I did this card trick... It was a basically as this your card, but it was this long, drawn out process of rows of cards and put them in stacks and piles, and and it's the last card that you flip over. And nice, everyone was amazed, and I was just as amazed because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how this works. That's but great. It works. It's so crazy. <laughs> That's
1: fantastic. Well, uh,
0: we said what Paul what Paul's doing here and when he's writing the church in Colossae, Colossae is like this mass magician that he's revealing the hidden secrets and agendas of these false prophets and teachers that have sort of crept in on their way, yeah, They've crept their way into the church and we may see false teaching taking place in our churches and um, it's it's 2021 false teachings still exist uh, and it may not necessarily be from the pulpit it could be through members whispering behind the backs of others or fellow believers or or people just trying to full blown sabotage the church for whatever reason there's a, there's a slew of false teachings and and, sure. and trickles of how it comes from and some of us may may see it and if we don't like conflict we're like ah well I'm not like them let's just let them do their thing it'll blow right. over whatever but that's not really what that's not what Paul's encouraging the people in the church to do. Why is it important for us to see false teaching
1: and and to call it out and to yeah, address it? Sure. I think number 1, I think it's the the it's the rarity to have a designated false teacher come into a body yeah. and go You know, I am Jesus Christ in the or something crazy like that. Now there is church division Mm -hmm. constantly. There is somebody who comes along and says, "I have a better vision than the pastor," or this, that, and the other. But so, so I think it's in the uh, the rarity. But I think the majority is uninformed and misinformed, uh, immature Christians. And so, whether it's reading something and mingling it together, yeah. um, it spreads very quickly within the church. And uh, the Apostle Paul says in the verses, "I say this in order that no one may delude you with, beguile. A yeah, beguile <laughs> you with plausible arguments, and yeah. it's to trick." And and we said false teaching is fatal. Yeah, and the problem with it is is that a none of us think that we'll ever succumb to it or that we're around it, which is right. already a problem. And then B is that there's always a level of truth with it that seems appealing to us. Yeah. And so the Apostle Paul comes along and says, "Man, I mean, guys, when we read the New Testament, it is constantly talking about this. Yeah. And I think it's something that Christians and churches as a whole have sort of put on the back burner and said that was for back then, but not now yeah and um, God we say that God's word is timeless because it's timely yeah and so um, yeah I think it's super important to be aware because we yeah. already think that we're not, which is a dangerous thing
0: yeah in verse 28 he says him Jesus him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone yep. warning of false prophets and and also teaching like the Bible isn't just where we come to see the history of false teachers and false prophets. It's also where we come to get teaching that will help us address that when we see it and help us notice it as opposed to being beguiled or tricked or deluded. So we love God's Word. It's important. It's the anchor. Jesus is the anchor. Amen. We said that the 30,000-foot view of the text here was, was this. It was in the form of a question, like, do I see these marks of a godly ministry in my life? We'll get into these marks here in just a moment. But we referenced Ephesians 4, where Paul tells the church in Ephesus that he, Jesus, gave the apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and shepherds to equip the saints. <gasps>
1: right. Let's yes, do it again. Yes. To equip the saints <gasps>
0: for the work of the ministry. Who are the saints? That's you listening to this. Yes. That's the, the, the saints are those who love Jesus and don't necessarily hold one of these offices, one of these five, five-fold ministries, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and shepherds. And he's saying that, he's saying that Jesus gave those to equip you, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So what's the significance of—and I'm going to use this language a little bit throughout the podcast today—a non-staff member at a church. Yeah, that's good. um, A non-staff member. So what's the significance of bearing a burden of ministry, to quote Galatians, as a non-staff member at a church, and what are some practical ways that that can be done? What's the significance of helping to bear the burden of ministry at your local church if you're not on staff there?
1: Sure, yeah, that's a great question. You know, and the reason Paul is saying, um, you you got to watch out for these false teachers in a way that you can know that they're false is compare their ministry to mine. Yeah. And so as preparing it, it was like, you know I got school teachers I got construction workers sitting out there and they're going well why why am I looking at the marks of a ministry why is that important yeah. which is why to go to that Ephesians passage and go because every member is a minister yeah so so that's the my job is not you know your job is not to do all of the work is to equip other members to minister to one another yeah and the reason why um, that's so important is a that's the way God's designed it but B how ha- What does that look like is, I think it looks like as a church member, maybe you're in community group or maybe you're in a conversation, and somebody asks a question, and instead of you saying, you should go talk to Pastor Jason or Pastor Tyler about that, you offering and going, hey, let's find this out together. Yeah. Hey, let's... um, Let's inst- open this. Maybe inst- now, obviously, gosh, there's times where, please, yes and amen, reach out and do all of that. But yeah. I think the average church member is probably way too quick to say, you need to meet with Pastor Bill or Pastor so-and-so, yeah. rather than offering for the first couple of times hey, let's you and I meet. Yeah, I think that's what it looks like to shift in your mind to go, I'm a minister here at the church, Yeah, and um, I can serve other people. Yeah. So, and so I think it's a shift in perspective.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's hard. I I, I understand right? that it's difficult to do that. It's just we talked about prayer a few weeks ago, and we said one of the ways that there are a lot of practical things that can help you in your walk with prayer to the Lord. But the number one way that you learn to pray is by praying. yes. And the number of way that you can learn to minister is by ministering. Yes. try. You're going to fail, and that's okay. It's all right if it doesn't work out uh, in the first time. But the, I think the more of these, the more of these efforts that you get under your belt, and and the more that you are in doing it in community as opposed to in isolation, you will begin to see some success. In yeah, that. finding so, your yeah. giftings and serving yeah. and ministering to one another. I Absolutely, mean,
1: ministry. Every member being a minister can look like a man. I know that they need some meals. I want to take them dinner tonight. Yeah, that's you know, ministry. You, you know, they just had a baby. You just ministered to that family. Yeah. Or um, you are a plumber, a construction worker, and you know somebody needs. And I mean, that's ministry. Yeah. That's it's just incredible yeah. stuff. You know.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Well, there these are these are the marks that we're getting into uh, the marks of the godly ministry. Um, uh, from the question, do I see these marks in, in my life? These are the three key words that were sort of served as the marks of the godly ministry. The first one was suffering. That comes from verse 24. The second one was stewardship from verse 25, and the third one is struggle. And we spent some time talking about how important it is to look for these marks in our lives. Correct. Not in the lives of others. And I, this is something that we do, I do frequently, and like I'll, I'll listen to a sermon or a podcast or or read the Bible, and I'm like, I can think of 19 people who need sure. to know this verse right now. And, sure. and I know that's prevalent, but how? here's a question from that. How is it hurtful to ourselves and to others? When we project the applications of the Bible solely on others, when we project the applications of what we see from a sermon, from a text, only and solely on others, how is that hurtful to ourselves and to others?
1: Yeah, I would say, number one, um, it's hurtful because it's a wrong view of your relationship with God's Word. You know, this is God's primary way to speak to you. This is the way that we find out about who God is. And so it comes to God's word with a assumption that this is for other people, and and I just don't know how there's not pride at the core of that. Yeah. you know, I I mean that sounds very much so like the Pharisees to yeah. me of binding heavy burdens around people's necks. Yeah, and um, I think it's massively difficult uh, to. It's it, it's much harder to come to God's word with the posture of humility. Yeah. Um that's really easy to come to God's word and go, Boy, my kids sure need this. Right. You know. So yeah, I think it's a difference in pride and humility yeah. for
0: sure. I th- I think at the at the base conjoined with pride, it's this idea of the the assumption or the assertion that I'm always the exception. Mm, now yes. no one would you would never say that out loud. Well, right. this this doesn't apply to me. And sure. no, you wouldn't say that out loud. Sure. But in the action of oh this and the knee-jerk reaction of this person over here needs to hear what's in this passage yep. rather than me, that is inadvertently saying, I am the exception. And and when we are the exception, man, that is all that does is, is puff up. That's pride. That's, That's elevation dangerous. over others. Yeah, Yes. absolutely. Well, let, let's dive into these marks. And so as we're talking through this, just as you've listened to the sermon on Sunday, maybe you were in the building or you joined us live online, listening through these marks again now, Let's make sure to to analyze where these marks are in our lives yep. and not in the lives of others. So mark number one, suffering. Suffering for the gospel. In verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And you talked a little bit about uh, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, um, bouncing off of this point, and in his letter he heavily detailed the numerous <sighs> accounts of his, his sufferings gracious. for the gospel. Imprisonment, shipwrecks, Countless, Beat, countless beatings. He lost count. He lost count of the beatings. I love that. It's 2021. Uh, 2020 was a doozy. 2021 is looking pretty similar. Yeah. It seems as though, as as we as a country or as a planet, as a culture, we we aren't too familiar with suffering up until the last couple of years. It's not like a general, a, a general thing that we face as a whole population. Now there is suffering, but it's not. It doesn't seem as though we're equipped to.
1: I would say that's true of us in the West. Yes, yes. Um, um, our brothers and sisters, there yes. have been more martyrs yeah. in the past century than in all the past combined. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah for absolutely. sure.
0: Well, a, a question to come from, from looking in the last year and two months, how can we look at the sufferings that have taken place that 2021 and 2020 have offered us and see them as an opportunity rather than an obstacle? Yeah. How can we look at everything that's happened with a pandemic and and natural disasters and health and loss of life and all of these things? How yeah. can we look at those and see them? I mean, they are sufferings. How can we see them as opportunities rather than obstacles?
1: Yeah. I think the first thing is is not to be surprised by them. Yeah. I think if you are surprised, you know, we read 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And I'm using persecuted. Persecuted is your life is in danger for being a follower of Jesus Christ, and the consequence of persecution is suffering. And so, But this is what Jesus promised us was yeah. turmoil and heartache and suffering. And so I think, A, it becomes an opportunity when you're not surprised by it. I mean, when when you go, okay, we were promised this, right? Um, and then B is your view of God. Um, it, all all things, uh, as James says, come from the Father of Lights above. And so, somehow, in some great mystery, I love what Joni Erickson Tata said. Yeah. Sometimes God allows what He hates to accomplish what He loves. Um, is going, I know that this situation isn't good. Yeah, but you are. And with that in mind, I can now see this as an opportunity. Yeah. And I think it's also important to distinguish sort of the types of suffering. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: That's next by Ray Ortland. Yeah. Little Ray Ortland. Thank you for this. Yes. The three types of suffering, because you may be hearing this and thinking suffering and thinking, well, my neighbor yelled at me for letting my I was dog I blocked on open Facebook. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm suffering for the gospel. Well, the, there are three types of suffering to help us clarify this. The first one is deserved suffering. Deserve suffering, you used an illustration of, of a gentleman who drank and drove and wrecked his car and asked yep. the question, like why why is God doing this to me? Yep. God didn't do this to you. You drank
1: and drove and <laughs> that is a deserve. That's God, God spared your life. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if anything, that's what God did. Yeah, yeah. I got this sentence from another pastor, but it, and it's always stuck with me when I was an early Christian. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. Yeah. And I mean, that's something we teach our kids, that that if you go outside of God's boundary, there's nothing good there. And so there's a level of deserved suffering that comes with that. Yeah, yeah. for
0: sure. That's one of them. The second one is innocent suffering. Innocent suffering is what a lot of us have been experiencing through the pandemic, um, through the natural disasters that have taken place, the winter storm, winter storm Elsa is what we call it at the house. Yes. Um, And a lot of us have dealt with that, whether it's health um, or uh, health, wellness, any of that. And I want to pause here in terms of innocent suffering, things like cancer, things like loss of a job, yeah. loss of life. Um, and and we, we painted this sort of as the product of the of fallen world. Innocent suffering is th- this, to some degree, this is how the earth is until everything is restored and redeemed yep. at the return of Christ. Yeah. But in the midst of this innocent suffering here's this term again, how can a non-staff member at a church minister to somebody who's going through this type of suffering? How can a non-staff member at a church minister to someone who's going through innocent suffering?
1: I think this is probably one of the major ways that a, you know, um, a member being a minister can actually minister to the body. Yeah. And it's through the Ministry of Presence. Yeah. I think of you know the, all the people who've gone through the journeys of cancer at West Side and the amount of people, I mean you know the people who've had to stay in St. Louis, and undergo treatments, and people go up and play board games and yeah. hang out. And, you know, the innocent suffering is what you said. It's the brokenness of the world. It's not to be confused with bad things happening to good people. Yeah. I love what R.C. Sproul said. That only happened once, and that happened to Jesus <laughs> yeah. on the cross, okay? So um, in, by innocent, is, is is it's not deserved. It's not you did A, and then it caused B, yeah. you know, in that sense. And so, oh man, I think this is where members shine yeah. in the ministry of presence, of love, and I think in faithfulness. You know, friendship, I think a distinguishing mark of um, a deep community in friendship is faithfulness over the long haul, yeah. is the duration. You know, not the, hey, I'm popping in at Christmas and hey, we're hanging out here or there. But I think it's, hey, listen, I don't know how long you're going to have cancer. Yeah. I don't know how I mean, you're going to be grieving for the rest of your life because of the loss of your child, but I'm here. Yeah. And I'm just here with you. I don't have the answers. I'm just here. Um, I think that is a huge way yeah. that members minister to the body. Yeah. Presence is huge. Yeah. I uh, I had a conversation
0: once um, with a friend, and, and they were asking sort of a similar question, like how to... How can I be there for someone in a time of need when I don't have you know X, y, and Z, whether it's a knowledge of the scriptures or I can't right. preach them a sermon or whatever? And my response to him was a response that I had heard in a sermon um, a long time ago it was it was that about presence. it was if you're if if you're in conversation with somebody who you know is struggling with depression or loneliness yeah. or sadness. One of the greatest things that you can do is just go and be with that person. Yeah. To just sit there. Yep. To sit there and be with that person. Yep. Pray with them. It doesn't have to be this long, drawn out, pharisaical prayer. You just sit with them.
1: Yeah. In presence. I think a I think a list of Ps would be helpful. I think there's prayer presence, and then practical needs. Yeah. When somebody is suffering... Those just flow out of you. (laughs) It's a curse. It's alliterated. When when somebody's suffering, man, picking up the dry cleaning or the Walmart order is just not at the top of the list. Right. You're cutting the grass, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think a huge way to go back to the difference of a consumer and an active member is they don't have to be asked. Yeah. So there's the difference in, I'm thinking of... Tons of names that come to my mind yeah. of guys at Westside that have just mowed people's lawns yeah, just without even having to ask. that This person was going through something, sickness or illness, and the next thing you know, lawns mowed, taken care of. Yeah, I mean, I think presence, prayer, and practical needs yeah. are huge ways that you can serve the body. That's good.
0: That's really, really good. Well, the, so we have deserved suffering. Uh, don't drink and drive. We have innocent suffering. And then we have righteous suffering.
1: Yeah, that's what Paul's talking yeah, about. Yeah, Paul's passage. talking
0: about righteous suffering. there's three kind, four kinds of of righteous suffering that were broken down for us. It was physical, spiritual, relational, and financial. Yeah. Um, we looked at this briefly on Sunday, but I would love, since this is the content of the passage of righteous suffering for this mark. What what can each of these sufferings look like? Like, could you paint us a scenario
1: of what yeah. physical suffering looks like for it's the good. gospel?
0: What spiritual suffering? What yeah, that's good.
1: To I think you know to back up righteous suffering is I am making an active present stand for the gospel. Yeah, and that's against something. Yeah, so whether it's a government saying you can't meet. Or it is somebody saying, if you know, I think of the apostles, if you say the name of Jesus, we're gonna hit you with rocks until right. you're dead. You know, th- this is what we're talking about righteous suffering. Yeah. But those categories that are broken down, I think, are really helpful. And, and the reason why I think it's helpful is I think people are experiencing these. They just don't have the language as to what it is. Yeah. And so the first one is physical. That's, that's the persecution, man. Yeah. That is, um, you know, I think of Jim Elliott reaching an unreached people group who was a missionary back in the day, and um, they literally were stabbing them in the chest with spears, and um, one of the guys had a gun, and they were just shooting it in the air. They weren't shooting the people yeah. um, because they knew that they, they weren't saved. Yeah. And, and as they were getting stabbed in the chest, they were saying, God loves you. That's physical suffering. That's yeah. righteous physical suffering. Um, and it's not something that, that we experience in the American West as much, to, and to which I'm grateful,, yeah. which I'm grateful on Sunday. I don't have to be afraid, you know, of, of doors getting kicked in, but martyrdom is, is what we're talking about here, yeah, is uh, really real. So, so, so I think that's a physical aspect of yeah. it. Um, now, I do think there might be a, a wife who is a victim of abuse and is married to a non-believer and he says that if you walk out that door and go to church i'm not going to let you leave and there's physical abuse that happens yeah um i think that's righteous suffering man mm. and um that if you're experiencing that please reach out for help yeah um do um do not remain in that but 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 i think that's a prime example. Um, The second one is spiritual. That's uh, demonic oppression. That's the enemy. That's I mean, we hear Paul talk about that all the time, and there's a reason why when somebody gives their life to Christ, starts reading their Bible, getting involved in church, inevitably, always, they will request to meet with me and go, it's, I feel like my life has gotten worse <laughs> now that I'm a Christian. And the reality is, is that your present state of circumstances might be yeah. because there is an active enemy pursuing that you not do those things. Yeah. And um, I, I just don't think we give enough credit to that. Yeah. I think we chalk it up as, uh, I'm just, you know, yeah. I stopped reading my, or I, you know. We don't it, wrestle with flesh and blood. Yes, yeah. yes. So there's physical, spiritual, Um, The last two, I think, are the main ones that that your average church member would experience. There's relational suffering. Relational suffering is you're living in community, you have friends, and you sit across from them at a table with a cup of coffee with tears in your eyes, and you say, I love you enough to risk this relationship. But the sin that is in your life, or just sharing the gospel, how about that? Yeah. How about... How about you share the gospel with your dad yeah. or your grandpa or, or or your mom, and you go, you know, hey dad, hey mom, I love you, but you know I'm a Christian and I want to tell you this, and they look at you and say, you're no longer welcome in our home. You don't need to come in here saying that stuff. You don't, and they end that relationship, dude. That's relational suffering. Yeah. Um. Or you're living in community and there's grievous sin that's taken place and. You go to that friend, and you say, we, we, you know, we need to get help in this, and they say, you're just being negative, you're just judging me, you're just... And they end the relationship, and you're heartbroken over that. That's relational suffering. Yeah. And I think Christians experience that um, a whole lot more than, than I think what they would give credit to. Somebody who's yeah. really trying to minister. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Apostle Paul even says in Galatians, do you hate me now that I'm the one who's telling you the truth? So, so there's like, there's all, I think we're all going to experience somebody looking at us going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I thought we were friends here and you're going, we are friends. Yeah. And then this is the truth and this. So, so that's relational suffering. Yeah.
0: And I think there is a distinction in, in relational suffering. It's, it's, it's relationships you do have and it's personal. It's not, yes. it's not the keyboard warrior stuff on Goods Facebook. For you. Great it's, insight. It's not like, my goodness, it's, it's someone who's trying to make you. You taught me this language. It's someone who's trying to make a difference, not make a point. Yes. Someone who's trying to make a difference in someone's life with the gospel and share good news with them, not try to get them to believe one tiny, insignificant fact or truth that doesn't relate at all to the whole and the totality of the gospel, and it ends in
1: vomit and venom on yep. the
0: Facebook comment section. Yep. That's, that's not.
1: A, that's not relational. It's a Great suffering. insight, man. Yeah. yeah. Super needed. And then the last one, I just thought of this. Financial, you know, man, there's so many hard workers at West Side. There's so many business owners. Yeah, man. And to love Jesus and to be a steward of God's money, and you know, put in a bid on a job, and and you did it honest. You didn't know what the other bids were. You didn't have the guy that worked for the city that told you what this was. And so you underbid or you overbid, and then you got this or that, and you haven't gotten the past three jobs. Because you've been bidding it honestly and you didn't know, or your taxes, yeah. or all of these things, and you are suffering financially because you're stewarding God's money in the way in which He wants it. Um, that's a real level of suffering, yeah. man. And um, I just, if, if you're experiencing any of these, take heart. Um, the Apostle Paul experienced them, Jesus promised them, and these are not. Um, Bad tally marks. Yeah. These are affirmation. Yeah. This is confirmation. Yeah. That you're following Jesus. So don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: A big question that we asked in yeah, um, following up Mark, the first mark of suffering for the gospel in light of these types of righteous sufferings is when have I ever suffered like this? Yeah, that was a question. When have I ever suffered for the gospel? I personally yeah. listening to that when I wrote that down, um, I mean I just I, I shamed myself and caved into my chair, and the, that's not the purpose of this. Again, like you just said, it's not. It's not for shame. Yeah. Um, but I, I really looked at this intently, and I was like, "There's not a prevalence
1: of of this going on in my life." I got pretty convicted just because yeah. of how much the New Testament talks about it, yeah. and I think how little we experience it. But my conviction set in. Um, I think spiritual and relational. Um, i I've, I've definitely experienced, but I've experienced it, I think, because I'm a pastor. yeah, so there's a level of my job, right that is to sit down and risk a relationship and and have a tough conversation. But the question I asked myself was, would I experience that if I wasn't quote unquote on staff, right? You know, is this a part of my everyday life like that? Yeah. And um, yeah, man, I think it's an important question for us to ask in light of how much the New Testament talks about it. Yeah. And so I think it's important.
0: Yeah. A good question to ask ourse- ourselves. Yes. Ourselves. When have I ever suffered for the gospel? Uh, we're creeping up on about 42 minutes of this podcast. So we're probably going to end here at mark number two. Uh, we'll probably talk about this for about five to ten minutes, but the second mark that we saw was stewarding God's word. Yeah, a good mark of um, a good mark of godly ministry in a believer's life is stewarding God's word well, and that comes from verse twenty-five. He says to make the word of God fully known. Yeah. To make the word of God fully known, and we said we are God's messengers,
1: not 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 as editors. Right, the word that Paul uses there in verse twenty-five of. I became a minister according to the stewardship yeah. from God. Literally translates manager. Manager. I'm a manager in this. Yeah, we are managers. Use the illustration
0: of your daughter. Um, one of your <laughs> daughters, Andy Grace, reading, reading the Bible with you guys and saying, "Oh, these words." I'm just going to move on a little bit. Yes. Um, and and we said we're God's messengers, not not as editors man- managers. And and uh, I love that illustration of Andy Grace because it sounds— it, it sound at first. At first glance, we could look at that and be like, oh, that's cute and that's sweet. But if we really take that and, and look into our lives, we do th- I do that when I look at the Bible, man. Like, There are some passages that are difficult to understand. Yeah. There are some passages that are difficult to understand theologically, to understand how to apply it to my life. And so I want to ask this question, what do we do when we come to that? What do we do when we come to a part of the Bible that's difficult to understand? or aren't sure if or how it applies to our lives?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it comes back to our posture. I think there's a number one thing that has to be assumed, Mm -hmm. and that when I come to a passage of Scripture that's either A, hard to understand, or B, contradicts the way that I am living, I must assume that I am wrong and that the Bible is right. Yeah. That that has to be the baseline assumption. Yeah. I cannot come to a passage of Scripture that contradicts my life and say I can find other Scriptures that support what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so, so I think it's that posture of humility. Secondly, um, the disciple, Jesus experienced this with the disciples in John 6 when he turned the crowds away and said, "'Eat my flesh and drink my blood.'" And the disciples literally said, this is a hard saying. Yeah. This is a hard teaching, man. And the crowds walked away. Yeah. And Jesus turned to the disciples and said, are you going to go too? Hmm. He gave them the opportunity. And then Peter says, where else would we go? Yeah for you have the words of eternal life. The words of eternal life. So I think it's, A, a posture of humility, and then I think it's, B, just a commitment to stick it out, that I'm not going to bail and go somewhere else. And that was, you know, she was, we were reading somewhere, and it was big words, she's learning to read, and she was like, this is hard, these words are hard, I'm going to go read over here. (laughs) And just when she did that, I I mean, just immediately, I felt the Spirit speak to me and go, but man, that's something that you do. Yeah, You know, that's... Forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Yeah. Goodness gracious. You know, I mean, you know, that's am I am I trying to jump to other passages, right? Or 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 am I submitting myself there? Yeah. So, yeah. That's
0: good. Well, I think one of the other things that we can do in the midst of of coming up to a passage that we're maybe confused about um, is go to people who have already researched and done the work. Yeah. Um, or some of the work. It's not all done. There's a limitless treasure of life and good news in this yep. book. But there are some resources that you can go to. One that we that I often go to is Blue Letter Bible. Yep. BlueLetterBible.com is a wonderful resource. It's free, and you can read through it and learn a lot about the passage that you're reading and how it conjoins to other passages and what the words mean. Look it up in the Greek and yep. the Hebrew, all that. The ESV Study Bible is a wonderful resource curated and put together by some awesome dudes with a lot of really great notes at the bottom yeah. to guide you through in a biblical way what you're reading.
1: There's a third one that I've just come across that I've been using that, that's along the lines of Blue Letter Bible. Yeah. But it's called stepbible.org. S-T-E-P. S-T-E-P and um, it's just for languages. It's super user friendly. You type in a passage and you hover, you know, your cursor over a word and boom, the definition pops up yeah. and and helps you with a ton of that stuff like That's that. Cool. So there is, I mean, this day and age, we are just blessed yeah, with man. the amount of resources Absolutely. that are available.
0: Your Bible likely also has references at the bottom of the page or in the column in between the verses yep. of other verses and how it relates and, and connects that way, so use those resources. But we said this isn't also, we're not just receivers of God's Word. This is something that isn't just something that we, that we consume and, and bring into our lives. We're also distributors. Yes. We're also slinging God's Word on every street corner and, yep. and every area of our lives. So, so I want to ask a very pointed question, specifically for a role of a family member, and we can kind of wrap it up with this question. What is a practical way that a dad and a husband, same, same person, yep, can share the Word of God with his wife and his kids?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's something we're going to address um, on our men's night as well. Yeah, um, I think it is creating an environment where it's normal to talk about the Bible. Yeah. So one thing that that we do, and listen, this is just an example. This is not. This is right. You
0: don't have the perfect family, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> this doesn't happen every um, night at your house.
1: Is we keep a Bible in the back seat where Roman and Andy are on the way to school and um, Roman or Andy will read some Scripture on the drive to school, Psalm 23 or something like that. And, dude, sometimes it's maybe a verse. You know, it's nothing. Um, But that's distributing God's Word. It's exposing them to God's Word. Yeah. Um, I think um, having music on, songs on that have um, the Bible in them. Yeah. I think the audio Bible, maybe, you know, let's say you're going on family vacation and instead of maybe turning on you know, Elsa and Frozen yeah. right now, which is great, that's awesome, maybe you just turn on the audio Bible for a little bit. Yeah. Um, at night, when it comes to bedtime and routines, um, Roman and I are getting ready to... He's of the age now where in the morning we're going to start doing devotions together before he goes to school yeah. as a young man. And so, I mean, th- there's just so many avenues, but I would just say... Try to make the environment normal. The right. you know the exposure to it like that. Yeah, and um, I think the same goes for for moms for, yeah. for women as well. Women who are working who are limited with their time with their kids, man, I think the time you have in the car, the audio Bible or stuff like that, massively important. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a, a stay-at-home mom who's, who's working hard raising those kids, I think a designated time maybe you know around the meal yeah. or, or something like that. And the same could be true as a family. When you sit down at night, read a passage of Scripture, do something like that. But yeah. it's just like what we said with prayer. You learn to pray by praying, and I think you learn to distribute God's Word by just doing it and finding every avenue to do it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. No, that's good. Lots of good news in this week's text. Amen. Lots of of encouraging, applicable things that can change our lives for the better, and it's all because of Jesus. Yes. All because of Jesus. Well, that concludes it for this week. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jason.
1: Thank you, Pastor Tyler. Mm -hmm. Guys, if you guys have any questions please send those in. This is the primary um, idea of the podcast, is continue conversation. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to know more about us as a church, maybe you're listening to this for the first
0: time, and you're like, I want to know more about these guys, you can go to westsidepb.org, and you can catch our live streams on Facebook at 11 a.m., or join on Sundays at 11 a.m., or join us in our physical gathering at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can find this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as always, may everything we say and do be all about Jesus. And I'm going to close us out this time with a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul writing about a moment of suffering. But he said to me, he, Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. 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 It's all about Jesus. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. See ya.